0: KBFV Studios is the Jake Hotel football experience. And now here's your host. Jake Botel. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Football Experience. My name's Jake Botel, and this is my football experience. Um, A pleasure to have you guys along for the ride. As usual, today we're looking at episode two, volume two, of the JBFE Off-Season Notebook. Basically, episodes where I've been pondering something, uh, thinking about a different topic during the off-season. I've put a bunch of notes together about it that I've been sort of mulling over, and then I deliver it to you as an episode. Last um, episode, in volume one of the off-season notebook, we talked about uh, Ben Roethlisberger and what he can offer the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2021, Um, looked at some of the media narratives around him. both fair and unfair, and then took a dive into the New York Giants um, defensive drafting uh, philosophy across the last sort of four or five drafts, having a look at how uh, they've sunk a lot of draft capital into the defensive side of the ball. 18 of their last, I think 24, 26 picks in the draft have gone on the defensive side of the ball. And there was a sharp spike in defensive production under Joe judge in year one. So if you want to go and have a listen to those, go back and check out volume one of the off season notebook. All right. So volume two has nothing to do with the NFL. Well, I suppose it sort of does in a way. Um, But the main focus of it um, is college football and specifically one college in particular and one uh, figure in particular at that college. Uh, We're going to look today at Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma Sooners QB pipeline. Um, This sort of, I don't know, I I listen, I watch more NFL than I watch college football, but I try and keep as up to date as I can uh, with college football uh, as I can amongst all the NFL that I, I consume, uh, I listen to a lot of the Cover Three football podcast, which takes a really great angle, not only on the games themselves, but recruiting, how different programs recruit and develop talent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The Cover Three podcast always a good listen, and as well as obviously getting my eyes on as much college football as I can. So. A narrative sort of that seems to swim around on podcasts, in commentary booths, in um, football forums is that, you know, Oklahoma, yeah, they've been great, but Lincoln Riley was pretty much handed the keys um, to the kingdom. He was handed the keys to, you know, a, a machine that was already up and running. And while there's elements of truth to that, I think sometimes the work that Lincoln Riley has done and continues to do sort of. Gets overlooked in a way. I think it's a trendy thing for for some people to say, "Oh yeah, well Lincoln Riley, you know, he got lucky with a few good quarterbacks. Let's see how he goes now. You know, now that he has to develop his own talent at the quarterback position, now that he's not dealing with transfers, now that he's, you know, having to actually go out and recruit high school kids." So, gonna look into today um, the work Lincoln Riley has done as the head coach. Of Oklahoma going to to take a look for those of you who aren't familiar with the topic how he even got there and then looking at the quarterback situation uh, from the past during his time at Oklahoma the present and then the future what the future quarterback room of the Oklahoma Sooners will look like and also going to touch on at the end of the episode a little bit about the SEC um, venture that is coming up in the next few years for the Sooners and Texas Longhorns as well but We'll focus on the Sooners' angle. All right, let's crack in. So for anyone who doesn't know, um, Lincoln Riley in 2010, I'm going to choose to sort of come into his career at 2010 with the East Carolina Pirates. So he was appointed as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach of the East Carolina Pirates football team under the new Pirates head coach and one of Riley's former Texas Tech colleagues, Ruffin McNeil. So McNeil and Riley had both worked together under Mike Leach at Texas Tech with McNeil as an assistant head coach, as well as spending time as special teams coordinator, defensive line coach, and then the defensive coordinator. Lincoln Riley was a GA and then a wide receivers coach at Texas Tech. So 2010, Lincoln Riley gets this job with the East Carolina Pirates football team under his old colleague, Ruffin McNeil. The Pirates had ranked 62nd of 120 teams in college for points scored per game in the 2009 season. But that total spiked enormously in 2010 when Lincoln Riley became the OC. They went up to 16th of 120 teams. Now, the following season saw a decline back to the 60s, but then 2012 was a climb back up to 48th and then a peak of 9th. Of 125 teams in 2013 so 2013 where lincoln riley is the offensive coordinator um, and quarterback coach the pirates are up to ninth for points scored per game out of 125 teams this is a team that was ranked 62nd just a few years um, previously so in 2014 uh lincoln riley is the assistant head coach in addition to his role as offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. And the Pirates rank again in the top 25 for points scored per game at 24th. So this is a pretty massive upswing. Obviously, you had the one year where he regressed um, after his first season there. Was the 2011 season where they went back to sort of ranking in that 60s, which is middle of the table for college football. But then they've, every other year, they've been better than the previous year he was there. So that was in 2014, where they ranked 24th. In 2015, the Sooners come calling. Riley gets a job as offensive coordinator and quarterback coach uh, in 2015. And he takes the Sooners from 21st in points scored per game to fourth in year one. The next year, he went one place better. And in 2016, he took them to third place finish. From 128 teams in terms of points scored per game so he took an offense that was already pretty good ranking 21st um, in the 2014 season for points scored per game up to fourth and then third so it's absolutely you know maximizing the offensive production 2017 rolls around and sort of the the handing of the torch happens bob stoops Inserts Lincoln Riley as the head coach. Bob Stoop steps away. Lincoln Riley steps in um, as the program leader. He is now the head coach in 2017. So 2017, they go 12 and two, place third in the final AP poll. 2018, 12 and 2, they place fourth. 2019, 12 and 2, they place seventh. Last year, 2020, 9-2, two, placing sixth in the final AP poll. So that's you know, sixth out of all the teams in college football. Um, 2021 we'll see what happens but what i want to look at i guess is not only how the program's done but looking at the quarterbacks that he's had as i've said there's sort of this storyline about oh well we'll see how lincoln riley goes now now that he has to recruit a kid out of high school now that he can't just you know take a ready-made transfer quarterback and turn them into a heisman Trophy winner. Let's see how he goes now that he's actually got a recruit against your Alabamas and that's Ohio State and Clemson's for a quarterback talent. Well, we're going to get to how he's done, but let's look at the past here. So 2015, which is his first year as the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, he has Baker Mayfield, who is a transfer from Texas Tech. He was a walk-on at Texas Tech. Uh, He transfers. His first season playing football at Oklahoma is 2015. So to give you a little bit of, I guess, context around Baker Mayfield and his first season and indeed his career at Oklahoma. Texas Tech in 2013, he plays eight games, completes 64% of his passes, 2,315 yards, 6.8 yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Spin forward to 2015 with Oklahoma. They go 11-2. and two he completes 68% of his passes for 3,700 yards, 9.4 yards per attempt, 36 touchdown throws and just seven interceptions. The following season completes 70.9% of his passes, 3,965 yards, 11.1 yards per attempt, 40 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So it's been A leap from where he was at Texas Tech in year one in Oklahoma and granted the surrounding offensive talent and that sort of thing is greater at Oklahoma than at Texas Tech. But then you're also jumping again from your first year in Oklahoma in 2015 to your second year in 2016. The production goes up and it goes up again in 2017 where Lincoln Riley is having his first year as the head coach. Uh, Mayfield plays 14 games, completes 70.5% of his passes, 4,627 yards, 11 and yards per attempt, 43 touchdowns, just six interceptions. So he wins the Heisman that year. First ever walk-on player, former walk-on player to win the Heisman trophy. Goes on to be drafted by the Cleveland Browns with the first overall pick in the 2018 NFL draft. Obviously, he's had a great, he's come in and been the starter pretty much year one, took over from Torod Taylor um, in season one, has started 45 games for the Browns with a record of 23 and 22. They went 11 and five last season, beat the Steelers in a playoff game and came close to beating the Chiefs uh, in the next round of playoffs as well. So that pro, that that NFL program is on the rise with Baker Mayfield at the helm as quarterback. So think about this. This is a player with Mayfield who was ranked 1029th nationally. This is per the 24-7 sports composite rankings. He was the 42nd ranked pro-style quarterback. This is when he's coming out of high school. So this is the sort of talent you're talking about. He's 1029th nationally. That's way down. He's the, only the 42nd ranked pro-style quarterback. So Lincoln Riley takes him from playing average at Texas Tech, to a Heisman Trophy winner and a first overall draft pick by the end of his Oklahoma career. So that's, that's act one in the Lincoln-Riley Oklahoma Sooners quarterback um, <laughs> production show. Okay, you take a player that was ranked at 1029th nationally, 42nd-ranked pro-style quarterback, former walk-on, and you turn him into a Heisman Trophy winner and a first overall NFL draft pick. Okay, so the the next season, 2018, there's a guy at Oklahoma called Kyler Murray. Now, Kyler Murray, also a transfer quarterback. He transferred over from Texas A&M. Talk about Lincoln Riley pillaging these Texas schools. Um, So he'd played eight games in 2015 for Texas A&M, completed 59.5% of his passes, Just 686 yards, 5.7 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, seven interceptions. Okay. Now he sat a year in 2017 after transferring behind Baker Mayfield. So he's the understudy to Baker Mayfield's 2017 campaign. 2018, which is Lincoln Riley's second year as the head coach of Oklahoma. Murray is the starter. This was his one year as a starter in Oklahoma. He just sort of had fringe opportunities in that 2017 season, sort of mopping things up. And he played quite well in limited opportunities. 2018, he starts 14 games, completes 69% of his passes, 4,361 yards, 11.6 yards per attempt, 42 touchdowns, seven interceptions. This is a guy who arrived at Oklahoma in 2017, um, you know, after a season of college ball in 2015 with Texas AM, just five foot 10, 192 pounds, he was the 34th ranked player. So much higher than Baker Mayfield in terms of his talent. He was the 34th ranked player nationally in the 24 7 sports composite, the number one dual threat quarterback for number five player out of Texas. So definitely coming out of high school, ranked as a more talented player than Baker Mayfield, but still a transfer quarterback. So he also combined his 42 passing touchdowns. It's worth saying too, and seven interceptions with 12 rushing touchdowns. So 54 touchdowns total. Leads leads the Sooners to a 12 and two record and a fourth place finish in the final AP poll rankings. And uh, now, from memory, he was playing through injury when he led the Sooners uh, in a 45 to 34 loss to Alabama in the Orange Bowl in the playoffs. Terrific game and you know did incredible things despite being injured. So obviously then Kyler Murray wins the Heisman Trophy. Second year in a row that an Oklahoma Sooners quarterback, transfer quarterback wins the Heisman Trophy. Um Murray goes on to get drafted with the first overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. He started 32 games for the Cardinals. Um In his three seasons, a record of 13, 18, and one hasn't been all smooth sailing Um, for the Cardinals. It's been a bit up and down. Um, Rather, that would be the 2019 season. He's played two seasons in the NFL, not three seasons. So again, you're taking a player, although talented, Kyler Murray definitely rated coming out of high school as being more talented than Baker Mayfield. You're still taking a guy who didn't perform that well at Texas A&M and you've turned him into a Heisman Trophy winner and a first-round draft pick. That, to me, is impressive. You know, Baker Mayfield was developed at Oklahoma over the course of three seasons. So this, to me, is where we start to get into this thing. of I think everyone takes the, the next guy we're going to talk about, Jalen Hurts, as the gospel on how Lincoln Riley has developed quarterbacks. Everyone sort of has the opinion, oh, well, he just takes a transfer quarterback, you know, has him for one year, and then off to the NFL, Lincoln Riley reaps the benefits, blah, 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 blah. Well, not so. You know, he had Kyler Murray on his roster for two years and and developed him. He had Baker Mayfield on his roster for three years and developed him into what he became. So then let's talk about Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts already had a sterling college career, uh, three years at Alabama, where he played plenty of games, um, never really set the world on fire. Uh, Season one in 2016 at Alabama, he threw for 62%, 62 62.8% of his passes completed, 2,780 yards, 7.3 yards per attempt, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions. 2017, 60% of his passes, 2,081 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt, 17 touchdowns, one interception. A much more conservative type of offense. And, Ultimately, he gets usurped uh, in the national championship game by Tua Tagovailoa. Um, and the, then the following season sp- spends 2018 as the backup at Alabama. And cr- absolute credit to him. He absolutely could have transferred that season. Instead chose to stay, compete for the job, didn't win the job, was the backup to Tua. And, you know, performed a couple of really nice pinch-hitting spots. So that season only threw for 765 yards, but at 72.9% completion at 10.9 yards per attempt, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. Played his role in the team as the backup. Then he transfers. 2019, he's at Oklahoma as the starter. And he goes nuts. Jalen Hurts completes 69.7% of his passes. 3,851 yards passing. 11.3 11.3 yards for attempt, 32 touchdowns, passing, just eight interceptions. So not only did he have the 32 passing touchdowns, he also had 21 rushing touchdowns, a total of 53 scores. Um, oh, Actually, combine that, he had two receiving touchdowns as well. So 55 touchdowns, just the eight interceptions, led the team to a 12-2 and record, a Big 12 championship victory over the Baylor Bears. Now, they got destroyed by LSU, Oklahoma, um, in that 2019 season. And, you know, I'm sure Ohio State fans, Clemson fans, Alabama fans, whatever, will get shitty about, you know, what I'm about to say. But, you know, LSU, that LSU team is ranked probably as one of the greatest college football teams of all time. I don't think it's possible to say which one team was the greatest, They were definitely one of the greatest college football teams of all time. I mean, they handled Clemson pretty easily in the national championship as well. So Oklahoma definitely got handled. But we're just looking at this point in the podcast, the the off-season notebook volume two, at the quarterback development. So he unlocked something. Lincoln Riley unlocked something in Jalen Hurts that was there to be unlocked. Now, he was playing in a more conservative offense in his previous three years at Alabama. Like, that's granted. But Lincoln Riley just unleashed him. Absolutely unleashed him. It was one of the more remarkable transformations you will ever see from a player. Now, he goes and gets drafted in the second round. Didn't win the Heisman, but he was drafted second round number 53 overall by the Philadelphia Eagles. He was the fifth quarterback taken in the draft after Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert, and Jordan Love. I personally think Jordan Love probably got overdrafted, um, but that's just me. I'm a, big, I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan and still think he's going to do a lot of things in the NFL. He started four games for the Eagles in 2020, has a one and three record. That was a pretty crappy Eagles team um, that he came in. I believe he led them to a victory over the New Orleans Saints in his debut um, I'm, I'm i should clarify i'm a big fan of jalen hurts thinks he can think like, that he can do big things in the nfl not convinced that he will given what he's surrounded with at the eagles that whole setup seems uh dicey to say the least okay so that's the present and you've sort of had this overlap there. You've had Baker Mayfield come in in 2015, which was year one for Lincoln Riley as the OC. He had Trevor Knight sitting behind him as the QB two. 2016. Again, Lincoln Riley is the OC and quarterback coach. Baker Mayfield has Austin Kendall behind him. Year three of Baker Mayfield year one of Lincoln Riley as a head coach in 2017. You've got Kyler Murray behind Baker Mayfield 2018, Kyler Murray has Austin Kendall still sitting in behind him. 2019, you have Jalen Hurts. And behind him is Spencer Rattler. So this is where we can transition into talking about the present with Spencer Rattler. So Spencer Rattler is the first quarterback in terms of, you know, our starting quarterbacks that we're talking about with Oklahoma that Lincoln Riley has recruited out of high school. Now, I, don't, I couldn't tell you. I haven't gone into a deep dive and looked at whether or not Lincoln Riley recruited Trevor Knight or Austin Kendall uh, or Tanner Mordecai, but I'm talking about the guy who's the likely starter, the presumed starter, Spencer Rattler. He sits behind Jalen Hurts in the 2019 season, uh, appears in three games, doesn't do a hell of a lot. Doesn't. I think he threw about 11 passes. Um, in his first season. But then we've got this transition in 2020, last season, to Spencer Rattler as the starting quarterback. Now, admittedly, this is an interesting season. Everyone wanted to see, okay, how does Lincoln Riley go when he's recruited a guy from high school? How's the eye for the high school talent when you're not just looking at, you know, a quarterback on another team's roster that you've sort of seen a little bit of at the college level. So Spencer Rattler um, played at Pinnacle high school. Um, Now, because I live in Australia, I can't get a max preps account. I'd love to get one because I'd love to be able to dig into some of these guys, high school stats and their records and stuff. I can't get one. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why Uh, I've tried to apply for one, tried to create a login and sign in details and, was basically told that because I live in Australia, I can't access Max preps, so that's a bugger. Um, so I don't have, you know, a bunch of details on his pinnacle high school career. I did watch him in uh, Netflix documentary QB One, season three. Definitely an interesting watch. Um, Spencer Rattler to me was a very divisive personality at least as a viewer, and that's all I can really comment on. i will obviously not a coach or a teammate or anything like that. Um, yeah, divisive, a very combative personality. And again, that can be a great thing in a quarterback. I think at times, and again, it's television, so you don't know how things are cut together. Uh, volatile is not the word I would use. Just, I don't know. Not an I would, I would say this, not an instantly likable character, but then likability doesn't matter that much when we're talking about quarterbacks. There's plenty of quarterbacks in the NFL who aren't particularly likable. Um, that's not why they're hired. That's not why they've got the job. But you do need a certain amount, I think, of um, you know people skills, the ability to get your teammates to play for you I think that was a real strength of Joe Burrow at LSU. He inspired his teammates to play for him. I've talked about it before. There's a great example of how I felt the LSU team thought of Joe Burrow. Um, I remember him being cleaned up in a massive hit, either against Texas or LSU. And he pops back up and he's got his shoulder pads all popped out of his shirt and an alignment instantly runs over and sort of puts him on his feet and shoves his shoulder pads back in for him. And there was just something in that dynamic where you went, these guys love playing for Joe Burrow. So that's what I'm interested to see with Spencer Rattler as we, as we watch more of his college career. Do people love playing with and for Spencer Rattler? We'll see. Season one was interesting uh, at Oklahoma. So let's get into his recruiting first. So he was the number one ranked quarterback in the 2019 class coming out of high school. And this again is according to 24 sevens composite rankings, um, which I really like. I really value those rankings. You might not, but you're not hosting the podcast. So Um, (laughs) I think they're really handy handy for me anyway. Um, So he was the 11th ranked player at any position, quarterback, wide receiver, defensive lineman. He was the 11th ranked player in 24 uh, 24 seven sports composite rankings. So, this again, this is the most talented QB that I think, you know, Lincoln Riley has recruited out of high school. He rates higher than Kyler Murray did, rates higher than Baker Mayfield did. So, it's quite an exciting proposition. Got this guy, number one ranked quarterback. And to me, as I said, 24-7 sports I find pretty reputable with their player rank. They've got a pretty high hit rate, of, you know, dudes that they rank. Remember, these guys are evaluating out of high school. You know, you look at how many guys they rate out of high school that end up being drafted in the NFL. Like, that's not taking into account any college film yet. They're just, they're, they're evaluating them on their high school careers. So they come out and they say, we reckon Spencer Rattler, according to our 24-7 sports composite rankings, we reckon this guy's the number one ranked quarterback in the 2019 class, Spencer Rattler. So he has the year as Jalen Hurts understudy, and then his career gets off to a kind of a volatile start at Oklahoma. They destroy Missouri State in week one, and then they lose back-to-back games to Kansas State and Iowa State. Both massive upset losses really um in those three games spencer rattler threw 10 touchdowns and five interceptions and the kansas state game they led handily and i think he went four and three four four touchdowns three interceptions in that game wildly up and down thereafter so they're one and two through three games everyone's pretty much written them off um you know, as, as a national championship contender. But they, they then embark on an eight-game winning streak to finish the season, including a revenge win over the Iowa State Cyclones in the Big 12 championship game and a 55-20 to 20 domination of the Florida Gators in the Cotton Bowl. So after that high-variance first three games, Spencer Rattler's final eight matches were far more consistent. He threw 18 touchdowns to just two interceptions in his final eight games. And rushed for five more scores on the ground. So he's accounted for 23 touchdowns, just the two interceptions. um, And you could see his confidence and comfortability in the offense increase. So I guess that's an interesting thing to think about. There might have been some lessons in 2020 for Lincoln Riley and the coaching staff. Because when you take a transfer quarterback, even you know, though they took Baker Mayfield and you can look at his Texas Tech career and go, oh, well, he didn't perform that well at Texas Tech. Even though you can look at Kyler Murray and go, well, he didn't perform that well at Texas A&M. Even though you can look at Jalen Hurts and say, well, you know, they unlocked something. But he was just kind of average or you know, slightly above average at Alabama previously, blah, blah, blah. These guys still have experience being in the college environment, understanding what's kind of going to go on in a college setup. You're not teaching a high school kid how to be a college football player. So that's a challenge that they hadn't had before. And as I said, I, you know, and and this is reading tea leaves and watching TV, you know, Spencer Rattler didn't seem like as I said, the most grounded, mature (laughs) candidate coming out of high school, undoubtedly talented, undoubtedly. But unlike Baker Mayfield, unlike Kyler Murray and unlike Jalen Hurts, who all transferred to Oklahoma, he hadn't had a year in college before he got to Oklahoma. Oklahoma was his first stop. Year one, you sit behind Jalen Hurts and go, geez, this is pretty easy. And then year two, it's on you and you're like, holy hell. This is different to what I thought it would be. There's learning curves. There's, you know, defenses are, are, are better than you thought. The, the challenge is greater than you expected. Especially, you know, you, I can imagine you sort of getting mentally suckered in after week one where they absolutely obliterated Missouri State. I think he threw four touchdowns, no interceptions and 300 yards or something in his first start. And you're thinking, oh, boy. This guy's going to just take off to the moon. You lose your next two games, you know, and contribute some killer interceptions. And suddenly your season, your national championship ambitions are in tatters. And then it's like, okay, now we start the lesson again. We can't get ahead of ourselves. And you see them build Spencer Rattler back up. You see him warm to the task. You see him sink into the shoes of being the Oklahoma quarterback. So I'm fascinated to see what he does in 2021. Um, presumably will be his last season in college. I do, you know, I mean, some quarterbacks will come back and play a fourth year. I don't know. It seems like this would be – it w- would seem to me that he's going to be right up there in terms of his draft prospect um, to go in the first round, to, to go in those top five or ten picks. Um, whereas if you leave it a year – you know, you're going to be probably competing with DJ Uyunglele from Clemson um, and others off the top of my head. I'm just trying to think who else would be coming out in that class. But anyway, I don't I don't think it's it's far from. I think it's more of a lock that he doesn't play for Oklahoma in 2022 and instead enters the draft than it's a lock that he does. <laughs> um so, yeah, it was interesting, and he improved vastly, and I think we're going to see another vast improvement this season. There was that bumpy start in those first three games, and then he really started to take to it, and I think they worked out how to operate the system. He worked out how to operate in the system. Okay, so he had Spencer Rattler had Tanner Mordecai behind him last season. He's been on the roster for the Oklahoma Sooners for for a while now. Um, So we've had a look at who started for them last season and who will start for them this season. Sitting behind Spencer Rattler this year is the second um, future starting quarterback that Lincoln Riley will have recruited out of high school. Caleb Williams. So he's 6'1, 2'10 out of Gonzaga High School. He was the number one ranked quarterback in the 2021 class, according again to 247 Sports Composite Rankings. The sixth ranked player at any position. So he's even higher in terms of how 24 7 consider him than Spencer Rattler number one ranked quarterback in the class, sixth ranked player overall. And Williams might be the best athlete that Lincoln Riley has worked with to date, at least within the quarterbacks. We have measurable statistics for I don't have any measurables for Kyler Murray. I've got some shuttle times and and things like that um, for some of these guys. So so for comparison, let's have a look. So you had Jalen Hurts for you we'll start with jalen hurts he's the first one i've got some high school kind of numbers from uh well actually he's i think are from the nfl scouting combine but anyway um so he had a four five nine forty uh didn't run the shuttle and he had a 35 inch vertical jump spencer rattler has a four, eight, eight, 40 time so a little slower than Jalen Hurts, though that might improve by the time Rattler gets to the combine. Had a 4.26 shuttle time, a vertical leap of 32.2 inches. Caleb Williams has a 4.5 40 time. So that's what he's about the same as Jalen Hurts. Uh, Caleb Williams has a 412 shuttle time. Can't compare it to Jalen Hurts because I don't have it. He's also got a thirty-six point three vertical jump, so that's that's better. And these figures um, were on twenty-four-seven Sports Composite Rankings, so they they're either from a you know a, an elite eleven or something like that. Um, he's already got a better vertical leap than what Jalen Hurts produced in the NFL Scouting Combine numbers. So I'll read you some some notes here about Caleb Williams Um, from Brian Doan, 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst. Um, Good frame with upper body thickness, maximizes side by standing tall in the pocket, throwing with an ideal arm angle, Um, true dual-threat quarterback, has one of the strongest arms in 2021 class. And that... um, throws well in rhythm, but has to be more consistent with accuracy when getting through progressions, feels pressure, has ability to escape, strong leadership qualities, makes plays in big spots, plays with creativity and can make defenses pay when play breaks down, can change games with feet and arm, makes off-platform throws look routine, has to become a more consistent throw when he gets to second and third progression, sometimes can leave pocket too quickly Power five starter with NFL first round draft potential, talent to go in the top ten. So that's Brian Doan's thoughts from 24/7 Sports national recruiting analyst. Um, So I've watched a few games of Caleb Williams high school tape, um, and to me, like he instantly just—I don't know—it's a simplistic way of doing it, but visual comparison, I. looking at him on the field, it was like a, a larger Kyler Murray. Um, just similar way that he moves um, in terms of the, yeah, his presence, um, just, yeah, as I said, just a visual, uh, just my instinctive visual comparison. He reminded me of a larger Kyler Murray, a guy with a bit more size, a bit more meat on his bones kind of thing. Um And yeah, the arm strength and that sort of thing instantly pops off when you look at him. Definitely. And you know, I watched the spring game. I'm actually going to go back and watch it again uh, just because I'm that obsessed with football. I'm (laughs) going to go back and watch the Oklahoma spring game again because I actually felt like Caleb Williams almost out through Spencer Rattler during the spring game. And again, it's the spring game, etc. etc. But you could immediately see why uh, Lincoln Riley is so in love with Caleb Williams and why he's going to be the starter next season. And that that again probably adds to to the fuel that Spencer Rattler will go to the draft because come 2022, I think it's going to be Caleb Williams' time Uh, because he looks like being a powerhouse. As I said, number one. Ranked quarterback in the 2021 class, sixth ranked player at any position. So then you look to the future and we look ahead to the 2023 recruiting class and Malachi Nelson, five star QB from Los Alamitos, California, committed uh, on CBS Sports HQ was offered by Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State, Oregon, USC, Texas A&M, Penn State, Michigan, Notre Dame, LSU, Georgia, Florida, among others. Now, he's ranked second only to Arch Manning in the current 24-7 sports composite rankings for quarterbacks in the 2023 class. He's the number five ranked player at any position. So this is the highest ranked player at any position in terms of quarterback that, that Lincoln Riley has had. I think the previous, what did we say? Sixth for Caleb Williams was the previous highest. This guy's fifth at any position at the moment in the 2023 class rankings. He's 6'3, three uh, 180 pounds uh, has a four, nine shuttle time. So a little slower uh, Sorry, 4.940 time and a 4.23 shuttle time, uh, a 30.4-inch vertical leap. My immediate takeaway was this dude is a slightly taller Caleb Williams. (laughs) Um, I've only just started watching his film, but there's a type here. Um, There's a type. There's a body type um, and a skill type that... Lincoln Riley is going after because as I said, the, the, there's this, there's, there's very comparable sort of, yeah, body type things happening here. There's an evolution from where Kyler Murray was, you know, to Jalen hurts. Just Jalen hurts kind of stands out. He's, he's in some ways an odd man out because I don't think he's exactly comparable in terms of the body type and stuff to these other guys that they're recruiting. Or even skill set-wise, I think some of these guys are going to be better throwers than Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts was like, hell, if we can just get this guy in for a year, we feel really good about it. You know, It was a a one-season thing. It was the stopgap after Murray for for Spencer Rattler to sit behind. I mean, a hell of a stopgap. Jesus. Um, So there's this archetype that's starting to build. And I think it was the, Baker Mayfield's not quite athletic enough. Kyler Murray, maybe we want a little bit more size for durability. Jalen Hurts, one year for Spencer Rattler to sit behind because Spencer Rattler's starting to fall into that category of, of what we're chasing at QB. Then you get Caleb Williams, who feels like the archetype they're after. Then you get Malachi Nelson, same kind of deal. Here's um, thoughts on him from Greg Biggins, another national recruiting analyst for 24 seven sports. Um, he made the Justin Fields comparison projects him as a P five starter. Um, so I'll read his scouting report for you from 24 seven sports website. Nelson has all the physical tools you could want in a next level signal caller at 6'3, 180 pounds. He has an athletic body with plenty of room to grow, pack on good weight. So, and this is me speaking now, not Greg Biggins, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see his weight come up to more of a Caleb Williams-type level by the time he gets to college. Um, remember, he's coming out in the 2023 class, uh, unless, of course, he comes, he you know, like Quinn Ewers or something, he manages to um, reclassify and come out a year early or something. Um, but I, I don't think that'd be what they'd want because then you're going to st- be stacking um, Caleb Williams and, and Malachi Nelson too close together. They like to seem you know, keep this two-year gap. Um, all right, back to this scouting report. He's a very fluid athlete in everything he does. He has a smooth, effortless release. The ball jumps out of his hand. He has a downfield arm, is accurate to all three levels of the field and can throw with touch and change speeds. He's a mature quarterback and already shows a high football IQ in terms of his decision-making and how well he processes the position. He's a plus athlete for a quarterback as well and shows the ability to extend plays and get out and pick up yards in the running game. He made a big jump this offseason and needs to show he can put it together with the pads on as a sophomore, but no quarterback in the class has a higher ceiling right now than Nelson. That's Greg Biggins, National Recruiting Analyst, 24-7 Sports. So I think Lincoln Riley is doing all right as a high school, um, recruiting high school quarterbacks. You know, I think this narrative that, oh, he's only done well with transfers uh, is going to get blown to shreds over the next four, five seasons. Look at the teams he just beat out to get Malachi Nelson, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, Florida. Among others, you know, but I'm looking at those big, you know, uh, SEC schools, essentially. He's out recruited the SEC schools to get this quarterback. So let's move to talk then about this SEC relocation that's likely, I think it's been confirmed that it's happening, uh, where Oklahoma and Texas are going to leave the Big 12 to go and play in the SEC. Now I'm not going to dive into the morality ethics, whatever of it, the business of it, but what I want to look at is, you know, how it impacts some of the narratives that have surrounded Lincoln Riley and his Oklahoma Sooners program. So there's been a lot of criticism about Oklahoma's lack of finishing ability when it comes to the college football playoff. They were knocked off in three, uh, three consecutive playoff appearances by Georgia, Alabama, then a red hot LSU Tigers the defense has been the problem every time. They conceded scores of 54 to Georgia, 45 to Alabama, and 63 to LSU. So simply not good enough. Didn't really struggle to put up points on anyone outside of that LSU game. That was tough. But again, as I said earlier, I think that LSU team ranks as one of the greatest college football teams of all time. So ahead of the 2019 season, the uh, Former Ohio State D.C. Alex Grinch is appointed as the defensive coordinator for the Sooners. So he replaced uh, Ruffin McNeil, whose name you might remember from earlier, um, who was the interim defensive coordinator in 2018. So there's a story to this progression of defensive coordinators at Oklahoma. Ruffin McNeil took over in 2018 as an interim D.C. from Oklahoma's longstanding defensive coordinator Mike Stoops. Now, Mike Stoops was the brother of head coach, Bob Stoops. So I I think there's you know sneaky kind of narrative that Lincoln Riley probably would have liked year one to maybe move away from Mike Stoops, but like how you know you would have had to have absolute balls of steel and ice in your veins to move on from you know the guys. Brother, you know the guy who just gave you the job. You're not going to turn around and go. Oh, actually, thanks for the thanks for the head coach job. And now, uh, just going to move your brother off in year one. So he he waited to do that until the end of his first season. Ruffin Mike Stoop steps away. Um, Ruffin McNeil comes in as the interim in 2018. And then 2019, you have this move to Alex Grinch. So there's connections everywhere here because before coaching at Ohio State in 2018, Alex Grinch was the defensive coordinator at Washington State under Mike Leach from 2015 to 2017. Now, if you remember, Lincoln Riley worked at Texas Tech underneath Mike Leach way back before he was the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for East Carolina Pirates. So let's have a look at Alex Grinch's time at the Washington State Cougars. So he took over in 2015, had them for 2015, 2016, 2017 as their defensive coordinator. So before he got there in 2014, the Cougars had ranked 117th of 128 teams for points allowed per game. In Grinch's first season, that number jumped. They went up to 74th of 128 teams in 2016, climbed even higher to 50th of 128 teams in 2016, and maintained that level, ranking 58th of 130 teams in his final season. Now, in 2018, which is the year after Grinch's departure for Ohio State, Washington State went up to 42nd of 130 teams. That have since fallen back to 93rd and 119th in the last two seasons. So that's back to where they sat pre Alex Grinch. So there's no doubt that he lifted their ability to prevent the other team from scoring points in his three years at Washington state. And I, I get that there's a lot of other defensive metrics that you need to look at. It's not just about points allowed, but at the end of the day, when you can put up as many points as Oklahoma can, if you can keep the other team to 28 points per game, you're going to win a lot of football games. You know, there's, there's almost, you know, points allowed is almost the most, I mean, I think it's <laughs> at the end of the day, what are we talking about? A football game is either you score more than your, opposite, your opponent or you lose. So the less points your opponent scores, the better chance you have to win. It might actually be the single most important defensive metric we have to measure how successful a team is going to be. Anyway, brief rant there. So Grinch had one season at Ohio state uh, in 2018, and it coincided with a sharp drop off defensively for the Buckeyes. They finished 57 in points allowed after having been top 20 in the previous few seasons. uh, And they returned to that level after Grinch left. But I think you've also got to read into that 2018 season for Grinch that that also coincided with Urban Meyer upheaval. So this was the year before Ryan Day took over as the coach. There was a lot of controversy, scandal. Urban Meyer ended up he suspended for games. I can't remember exactly what the terminology used was. But he, you know, he wasn't coaching for a few of those games. And there was a lot of um a lot of upheaval that year at Ohio State. So that could also have been a contributing factor. But all of this is to say that. Let's refocus on the Sooners here. In 2018, so Grinch is at Ohio State. The Sooners have Ruffin McNeil as their interim head coach, uh interim defensive coordinator. They ranked 101st of 130 teams for points allowed per game. And it was a massive issue when it got, came down to playoff time. Now, in Grinch's first season in 2019, they rose up to 64th of 130 teams so that's a huge climb from 101st before he took over to 64th now as we said they got bombed by LSU to the tune of 63 points in their playoff game but 2020 comes around Grinch's second season in charge of the defense they climbed higher they ranked 29th of 128 teams for points allowed per game last season now we're starting to talk if this Sooners defense can start ranking in the top 30, top 25 for points allowed, look out because there's no signs that this offense is slowing down. They're, they're recruiting too well and coordinating too efficiently, game planning too well for this, for this offense to slow, in my opinion. So this has been the intention all along. In my opinion, there's been this intention and action towards fixing the Oklahoma Sooners defense. And Alex Grinch has been a key cog in that plan. Now, there's a lot of critics saying, you know, with this move to the SEC, oh, the Sooners, they're not going to stand up defensively in the SEC. You know, they're going to get obliterated. Oh, they're the big bullies in the Big 12. Wait until you get into the SEC and you get blown apart, you know. Well, what I would say is don't be surprised if from a recruiting angle, the move to the SEC is now going to be used by Oklahoma to better recruit to that side of the ball in future seasons. I'm really interested to track it because they can already attract the best offensive recruits in the land to play in Lincoln Riley's hyper-productive offense. They're beating Alabama and Georgia and Florida and LSU to top-ranked quarterback prospects, to the best quarterbacks on the market. So then what better draw card to improve on your defensive recruiting than being able to promise that you're going to get to the SEC, you're going to get reps and exposure in the SEC as a young defensive player. You know, young defensive players who might otherwise have turned their nose up at the Big 12, they might have been thinking, oh, you know, Oklahoma's pretty good, but, you know, I can go play for Alabama. See how many, you know, SEC defensive players get drafted every year. Think I'll take my, my shot with, with the tide. Think I'll go over to Georgia. Think I'll go over, you know, to Florida. Moving to the SEC might be the best thing that ever happened to Oklahoma's prospect in terms of recruiting to the defensive side of the ball. Because now you can offer that. Now you can say, "Hey, you're going to be going up and, and, and matching up with the SEC's you know, best offenses. Check out how many SEC defensive players get drafted, man. And not only that, we've got one of the best offenses on the other side of the field. You guys keep us you know, up in that 25, 30 points range. We're going to win a lot of football games. I think it's going to be a recruiting tool. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think the SEC move in any way hurts Oklahoma's recruiting. And I don't think it in any way reduces their ability to win a national championship. I think it does exactly the opposite. I think moving to the SEC massively improves Oklahoma's chances to recruit better defensive talent. And I think it massively improves their chance of winning a national championship. I think with the defensive improvement in Alec Grinch's, Alex Grinch's first two seasons, the SEC relocation on the horizon, the best young quarterbacks flying into roost in Lincoln Riley's quarterback room, I would say don't be surprised if that Oklahoma playoff win comes sooner rather than later. And let's stop with these narratives that Lincoln Riley is, is a total product of transfer quarterbacks. Because he's recruiting his ass off with quarterbacks out of high school. Spencer Rattler, number one ranked quarterback in the 2019 class. Number 11 player at any position. Caleb Williams, number one ranked quarterback in the 2021 class. Sixth ranked player at any position. Malachi Nelson. He was the number two quarterback only second to Arch Manning, number five at any position. They beat out Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, Notre Dame, LSU, Georgia, Florida, among others, to get him. You're telling me that the best defensive players aren't going to want to go and play with the best quarterbacks? telling me that the the, the marketing opportunities that the sec is going to open up in nil for players isn't going to help oklahoma recruit defensively the fact that alex grinch has taken them from being ranked 101st in points allowed in 2018 to 64th in 2019 to 29th in 2020 I think people who are rooting for the demise of the Oklahoma state uh, the Oklahoma football program are going to be woefully disappointed. I think people are going to be hoping and look maybe it'll be one you know maybe there will be a turbulent season in the SEC before they find their feet. But also don't be surprised if the next few years before they get there are absolute hell in the Big 12 because I think this is a program that's going to be fine-tuning to make the jump over to the SEC and to be able to start throwing their weight around with the Alabamas. I, I think they get a playoff win before they go to the SEC. Put it that way. All right. That was volume two of the, JBFC, the JBFE's off-season notebook. Might come out with a third version of this. I know we're sneaking closer to the NFL season, so I'd like to start doing some division previews and that sort of thing. But look, if I get some more random thoughts come up, if I get some more, you know, another random topic I want to dive into, then I'll do a volume three. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you've enjoyed listening to me ramble on. Uh, until next time, guys, please go and follow the JBFE on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Share us with your friends. If you've got an Oklahoma Sooners friend who you think might enjoy this podcast, um, recommend it. Uh, we, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, you can email me at JBFE at gmail.com, JBFE at gmail.com. If you've got a topic you'd like me to have a look at, if you've got any thoughts on the episode, um, That'd be great. Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for listening, guys. You've been great. I've been reasonable. It's the JBFE. Thanks so much for listening. joining us on the jake Botel football experience make sure to follow us on facebook at jake Botel football experience and subscribe to us on apple podcasts so you'll never miss a show while you're at it if you found value in this show we'd appreciate a rating on apple podcasts also we invite you to support the jbfe on patreon and you'll receive additional exclusive bonus content thank you again for joining us at the jbfe